one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning, and welcome to all our listeners. Today my guest is Tanya McIntyre. Our lives are made up of stories, the stories we live and the stories we tell. Today Tanya and I will share some stories. Um, Tanya, before we start with our first story, would you tell us a bit about yourself in order to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a bit about what you've got going on? I'd be happy to do that, Lynn. Thanks so much. Um, as you said, Lynn, my name is Tanya McIntyre. I like to call myself now a positive media correspondent. I mm-hmm. spent uh, more than 22 years in mainstream media as a broadcast journalist. And as you can imagine, Lynn, um, being immersed in negative news every day really chipped away at my soul over all those years. Mm-hmm. And I finally had a bit of a mental um, meltdown for lack of a better word, and I I did a complete change to pursue positive media and share all the good stories happening in the world. Mm -hmm. There are far more good people and good things happening in the world than we ever hear from mainstream media. And my passion in life now is positive media. So I founded The Good News Only in 2010, and its sole purpose as a community and uh, online entity is to promote all the good things happening in the world. We have a great following. And most recently, I've become involved with a magazine that has just gone national. It's called I Love My Life Magazine. You can learn hmm. more about that at ilovemylifemagazine.com. Very excited about hmm. that. you have to check that out. I knew there'd be something new. <laughs> <laughs> I never I like talk to, to you, but what I never talk to you, but what there's something new going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you writing for that magazine, or what's going on with that? Yes, I'm writing, and I'm helping uh, increase our distributorship, and I am uh, also, of course, soliciting for national advertisers. So, mm. if there's anybody out there with a national franchise in Canada, you'll be hearing from me soon. <laughs> cool. Cool. Okay. Um, So, Tanya, would you tell me a story? I love telling stories, Lynn. I was brought up by a single father, and I learned to lovingly and jokingly call him Philosopher Dad. Uh, My dad was uh, what one would call an old soul, and he read, you know, philosophy from thousands of years ago and you know philosophy pretty much stays the same uh, mm-hmm. over the course of our lifetime and he also belonged to the Rosicrucians which is an an ancient mystical order from Egyptian times and they study the laws of the universe and what was that called so again Rosicrucians Rosa Rose R-O-S-I-C-R-U-C-I-A-N-S Rosicrucians okay all right. So it's an yeah, so that's an ancient mystical order. I'm just beginning to scratch the surface of world philosophy and uh 
I was always inspired by my dad. He always lived by example. He practiced what he preached. And being a single father in the 60s, uh, he brought up me and my sister. We were seven years apart, so he would just get through one teenage angst with me, and then my (laughs) sister wouldn't be far behind. Mm-hmm. With that age difference, of course, uh, you know, we can see it from generation to generation. The challenges become uh, more pronounced because of the influences of mainstream media, especially. Right. So one story that sticks in my mind, I remember like it was yesterday. And I was 15 years old and going through that typical biological burst that we do uh, through adolescence. And I was in grade 10 in a small coal mining town in Nova Scotia. I hadn't done a lick of work all year. And I had three months left to grading day. And I knew I was going to fail. Uh So I came in one day like a big drama queen and threw my books on the floor and announced to my father that I am not going back to that school. They can't teach me anything that I can use in life anyway. Right. Uh-huh. And he said, wow, he said, that is an adult decision that is going to come with adult consequences. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'll give you a month to find a job, and then your room and board is $35 a week. Now, back in 1975, that probably would equate to about 150 a week now. Okay. So a pretty, you know, so it was a big chunk of change. And in addition to that, I would lose all privileges. So I would lose my privilege to the car. I would lose my monthly allowance. I would lose the free gas I was getting in the car, et cetera, et cetera. So he really wanted to send a message loud and clear that there was no free ride. And I ended up getting uh, a job that summer at the local pizzeria. So I I was uh, a waitress for that summer. Uh And by the time that summer was over, I had learned, as we do later in life, um, most times, I learned earlier, thankfully, that there is always more months left than money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was, was, uh, I had a very good financial lesson throughout that summer, and I was the first one in line to get to school. So that was his Uh objective, and he... He stuck by it, and uh, I guess some people would call that tough love. I think it was brilliant the way he handled mm-hmm. it, and it it taught me a lesson that, of course, started the foundation of my life to take personal responsibility, and there are consequences for all of our choices. Well, and, and the alternative was to say, no, you're not, right? Was, mm-hmm. was to come yeah. was to come back at you and say no you're not you're going to school which you know we know how that would have gone you know in With hindsight you can, yeah exactly yeah you mm-hmm. you know you would have stood your ground and he'd have stood his ground and and um, you know there could have been it could have gotten loud <laughs> yes and you know arguments like that between parents and teenagers are futile really yeah um, because you know the, at fifteen. What 15-year-old doesn't think they know everything? I haven't met one yet. No, no. Of course they do. No. I mean, when we're 15, we think we know everything. So having an argument with a 15-year-old is a waste of breath. You have to take that opportunity to teach an adult lesson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Dad always used to say, you know, lady life is a tough teacher because you always get the test before the lesson. 
Mm, interesting. So mm-hmm. that's, and that was his <laughs> philosophy part of it, eh? <laughs> he was, well, he, honestly, Lynn, I'm not kidding. Every time I went to him with a problem, he would just give me a line of philosophy. Uh-huh. And, you know, what that encouraged me to do was reflect on the yeah, philosophy I was gonna, and how it applied I, to the problem. I was mm-hmm. going to say he he uh, trained you to be a thinker. Exactly. Something that mm-hmm. mainstream education doesn't do very well, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Another Which was one your whole point. And... <laughs> <laughs> that was your whole point when you were 15, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I didn't fit, right? I, I was not academically strong. Not all right. of us are destined for university. And mm-hmm. oh, I don't know how much things have changed in schools. I don't think a lot in 30 years. No, I don't I don't think so. I think that we are still, um, I think the objective is still that they give information and expect that information uh, reproduced for the most, you know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that was a valuable lesson for me. I, I have countless um, others that I'm putting in a book called Philosopher Dad. Right, and we're looking forward to that. We'll have to. We Thank will you. definitely let um, th- let the listeners all know when that book is uh, ready to be purchased, so that we can all read more of the wisdom in that book. Well, the first um, the first uh, story that I was going to tell, I'm not sure there's um, as great a lesson in it <laughs> as there was in your first story, but. Um, when Neil and I were first married, we went, uh, our honeymoon was uh, a camping trip. Um, our guests, had, a lot of our guests had given us camping equipment because they knew that's what we were going to do. And <clears throat> Neil already had a, uh, a little flat bottom boat and he was looking forward to doing some fishing. And um, I already knew I didn't you know, especially love fishing, but I do like to be out in the boat. I love being out on the water. So we made this trek into the northern end of Algonquin Park, and we got there sort of late, late evening maybe, you know, it was after 6 o'clock. So by the time we we set up camp, um, there wasn't time to do much that night, and so we got up early the next morning. Um, it was probably before six o'clock in the morning, and uh, Neil said, "Well, let's let's take the boat out, and we'll we'll go around the lake and see what we've what we've got here." So, we we took the boat out and we went across one lake. It was it was a beautiful morning, you know, sun's shining, and then there's we we see the opening to another lake, and so we get out into another lake and go across that lake, and then the motor died. And um, we uh, initially tried to paddles. You know, we were equipped with paddles, but um, the the current was too strong to paddle this type of boat against the current. So we were able, with the paddles and the current, to get to shore. And we walked all the way around uh, the lake back to our campsite. <laughs> we got back at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And we were sunburned because we hadn't gone out out prepared. So we were sunburned. The black flies had been biting us all day. I had an ear that was all swollen up from black fly bites. And we just tore into packages of, um, as we were pulling out, you know, some steak to make a nice dinner, we were also ripping into packages of wieners and 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. eating them as we were cooking other stuff. So um, that's uh, um, that's the way uh, that's the way we got off to our start. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of that story being: always be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only ever sure. had one camping um, experience, and it was my last. <laughs> and <laughs> we went uh, on a um, on a hiking trip in tents to Grossmoor mm-hmm. National Park in Newfoundland. Fantastic right. trip to take, but of course uh, we went for ten days, and it rained nine of the ten days. Uh, so yeah. we would have to pack up the sleeping bags and everything, and load up the car and go to the local uh, laundromat to dry everything every morning. Oh, okay. Now, luckily. Uh, some brilliant entrepreneur decided to put uh, a bar and restaurant next to the laundromat, so we would go in to the restaurant to have breakfast and play darts and wait until our laundry was dry every morning. Oh, yeah. And every day we went home with somebody different for supper. <laughs> That's how oh, incredible. That I know. Newfoundlanders are like yeah. the most special people in the country for sure. It's a unique it's experience. It's one of the most memorable experiences, uh, you know, it, it certainly left a good memory in spite of all the bad conditions that we were facing yes. <laughs> in a tent. So, yeah, never again camping for me. <laughs> never again camping. But you know what? I've, I have heard um, very similar stories um, from Newfoundland as well um, of, of, you know, how welcoming they are to strangers. Um, you know, I know, I know of people who just ended up there um you know sort of went to find themselves and were hitchhiking and same kind of thing they were invited for dinner and and uh, given rides to everywhere they needed to go and all kinds of hospitality um mm-hmm. yeah it's a special so, place yeah yes for sure for sure well um let's take this opportunity to stop we'll go to break and we'll hear some more stories after this break a contribution that you dream of making. In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm your host, Lynn Wedham, and my guest today is Tanya McIntyre uh, from The Good News Only, Um, and uh, we've been telling some stories today. Um, The next 
story I will will tell uh, also has to in, involves my husband and um uh, we're kind of picking on him a little bit today. Um <laughs> when we were um when I first met Neil I was sitting in his um, mother's kitchen and she always had uh, when you sat in Neil's mother's kitchen you always had a cup of tea in front of you so I was drinking my tea and um all of a sudden, the uh, the kettle stopped working. Well, I mean, that's, you know, she's making tea. The kettle stops working. But what she said was very odd. She said, oh, quick, hide the kettle. <laughs> and I did not know what to make of hide the kettle. Beca- hide and, the kettle. Yeah, hide the kettle. And the reason was that my husband was known for... Uh, taking things apart and, uh, you know, with the intention of fixing them or learning how they worked or whatever. But they didn't go back together again a lot of the time. <laughs> and so, you know, this this was just the way he was. He everything, You know, if something broke, he was going to fix it. Well, um, in early in our marriage, we... Um, uh, we'd had some work done in the kitchen. I had new countertops, and I had this new little kettle, and it, it stood about eight. It was kind of a squat thing, but it, it stood about eight inches tall. Well, one day it stopped working, so Neil had wired the kettle up direct. So later on, another you know, couple of weeks later, um, you know, one of us had turned on the kettle, and I don't know who had turned on the kettle, but we were sitting watching TV probably, and uh, saying, oh, go make our tea. No, you go make our tea. Well, no, you go make our tea. Then finally, when I do go to make our tea, this kettle was a heap of plastic. <laughs> and it was only about two inches tall because it was all melted into the into the uh, counter. And I still have a glass. Uh, I still use a glass um cutting board there to hide the little holes, the little burn marks that are in the that are in the counter. Yeah. Well speaking of kettles, my, my husband wanted us to move from an electric kettle to the old fashioned whistle kettle that you oh, yes. just put on on top of the stove. That's great um for him because he's not as absent minded as I am. I'm like, you know, oh shiny ball over here, I'm gonna go over here and do this now. So I'll turn um. on kettle. And right. Go out, go outside to you know snip uh, a flower, right off a plant or something, and totally forget if it's a kettle. Yep. So yeah, I need I definitely need an electric kettle in my life with my memory. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, do you have uh, another story from uh, Forrest? Is there something else from Philosopher Dad or? Oh my gosh. Well, um, I can get, I can give you so many stories from Philosopher Dad, which is why I've been encouraged to write this book. Right. Um, he was, um, as I said, he was just a, an incredible man who everybody loved him. He ne- I never in all the time growing up, I've never heard him say a bad word about anyone. So, wow. you know, he was, he was the type of person who just embraced everyone and encouraged his girls to do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, early on in life, I knew I wasn't academically inclined, and I was a news junkie 
at the time. So he encouraged me. He was a big CBC fan. Mm-hmm. And from where, where I'm from in Cape Breton, there's a very distinct, like Newfoundland, there's a very distinct accent that goes with growing up in a place like that. Mm-hmm. So my dad said, if you have any aspirations to ever be a broadcaster, then I suggest that you take elocution lessons to mm-hmm. overcome the mm-hmm. accent. It, it would increase your chances of employment. And he was absolutely right. right. And I, I, That's how I did get my first job, thankfully. And other lessons that he imparted over the years, oh, my gosh, there are so many. I remember when I was uh, 11 years old, we were going to Sunday Mass. Um, Like many people, I'm a recovering Catholic. (laughs) And we were going to Sunday Mass, and after Mass, I said, you know, Dad, on the way home, we were driving home, and I said, Dad, I really don't want to return to church anymore. I said, I don't believe anything I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Now, I was one of those kids who got kicked out of catechism for asking too many questions. <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, the indoctrination wasn't working with me. Right. And he said, well, okay, because um, he knew he was going to take a lot of flack from family for letting his 11-year-old not go to church on mm-hmm. Sunday. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, okay, I'll make, it, I'll make you a deal. He said, I'll let you stay home from church if you spend that hour. And, of course, we had, um, back in the day, you had the Encyclopedia Britannica, right, instead of Mm -hmm. the Internet. And he said, uh, you spend that hour learning about other religions of the world, and we will discuss that when I come home after dinner. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I know. He was just like a remarkable guy, you know, rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, imagine an 11-year-old saying that to most parents. It's like, yeah, like... Like, hell, you're not, right? Well, you're coming to well, you know, if I have to go to church, you have to come to church. Yeah, both of those stories are pretty neat. It starts with him saying, okay, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you know, in both cases, you, you said something that was, you know, quite dramatic that a lot of parents would, would react with, a, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, okay. Mm-hmm. Which puts mm-hmm. the you know which puts the next part of that conversation on such a far different level, right? By starting by saying okay, mm-hmm. you know it 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 is a that's pretty amazing. And so, one of my passions is working with teenagers. Um, you know, I'm passionate about working with teenagers to encourage them to seek out good. Uh, positive mentors because oftentimes kids are not getting that direction guidance from home so if it's not coming from home it needs to come from somewhere because you know we set our moral foundations so early in life and a lot of that happens through teenage years formative years well I'm always encouraging teenagers to seek out good examples in life if you're not getting them at home yeah yeah that's that's a very a very good key point um, on a much uh, lighter level, when you, you, you spoke <laughs> about overcoming your accent, um, mm. how, do you, how do you begin by, by figuring out that you have one? <laughs> like most of us think, well, I don't have an accent. Other people have an accent, but mm-hmm. it's hard to hear it in yourself. Where, where does that process begin? That's a really good question. Um, 
I'm not even sure where to begin to answer that, Lynn. I mean, there's, there's, you, you can hear it when even just listening to somebody on radio and television and then listening to your peers yeah. growing up, you know that, you know, well, we don't talk the same. Right. You know, just like the, Brit- the British speak differently than Americans and Canadians, and Canadians speak differently than Americans. And mm-hmm. parts, every part of Canada has a different accent, dialect, same with yeah. parts of yeah. America. I just so, think that it's it's hard to hear in yourself. Um, oh, absolutely. I remember, I remember hearing a recording of one of my first cousins speaking, and... She to me, um, well, when when my first cousins speak, I hear a, a country, I hear a country drawl. When I hear my voice recorded, then I can hear what they do in me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so so to yeah. me, my recorded voice sounds like my first cousin. Anyway, that's kind <laughs> that's kind of an aside. We've got a, a question in here uh, in the in the chat room or a comment. Um, what do you find people do with their stories? Uh, do they use them to grow, or do they use, or do they keep themselves stuck with their stories? That's a very good question. That is a great question, and I'll go back to my philosopher dad on that because when I was 18, he gifted me with a book that changed my life, changed the course of my life, mm-hmm. and it was a book by um, a psychiatrist by the name of M. Scott Peck. He wrote a book called The Road Less Traveled. And in that book, he, at the time, back in, so I was 18, so 1978, the book came out. And at the time, it was called A New Psychology of Love, Traditional Values, and Spiritual Growth. But in that uh, book, he he basically talks about his, um, his experience with patients. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the willingness to take responsibility, and I think that's where where my dad's wisdom came. You know, at a really good time for us. I think we would have mm-hmm. been different children if our mom had had stayed around, mm-hmm. uh, because she was mm-hmm. just a, a totally different kind of personality. And and I knew that we were far better off without her influence in our lives. Unfortunately, my sister seven years younger, I think, um, was more um, psychologically affected by that abandonment. You know, when you're two years old, it's different to to have your mother leave than when you're, uh, I would have been nine. But I I had seen, I had witnessed nine years of their marriage, so I knew that we, (laughs) we were better off when she left. Okay, right. So in... In Scott Peck's book, he talks about um, how mental illnesses are developed. Uh, and there are basically two kinds of people. Uh, we can either have a character dis- disorder or mm-hmm. a neurotic disorder. And the people with neurosis, um, they assume too much responsibility in life. And the character disorder people don't assume enough responsibility in life. So mm. I think it depends on where you fall in in that, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, mindset. Whether or not you're taking on too much responsibility or not enough, that mm-hmm. tends to be, according to Scott Peck at least, and you know what, I think uh, from everything that I've read, he's pretty much spot on 
that mm-hmm. there tends to be those two categories. You're either uh, blaming everybody else for your problems or being a martyr in a way, and that creates its own, you know, neurosis and manifestations and uh, behavior issues like OCDC and addictions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it so, depends on, on, you know, where did your foundation come come from? We all set a moral guide for ourselves throughout our lives, and I think that depends whether or not you're going to use uh, negative things in your life to learn from and grow from or allow you to stay stuck in them and feel sorry for yourself and be a victim. Um, mm-hmm. Another beautiful saying that my father had was, you know what? It's great you can just dive right in that pity pool and take a few laps, and then you get out and you dry off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Well, and and I'm sure, you know, coming back to this question, um, some people, you could see two people that came out of the same situation, and some could use um, the story to grow, and some could use the story and remain stuck, mm, or as absolutely. an excuse, or um, or a reason that they feel that um, that things are not going to be positive for them. So I think mm. we'll take that little spot as another um, opportunity to take a break, and we'll be right back after this message. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our show today called, and the moral of the story is, uh, we're talking about the stories of our lives and um, and sharing some of those. Um, so, Tanya... Um, what else did you uh, want to share with us today? Well, we were talking about um, my philosopher dad, uh, how he handled being a single parent in the 60s, bringing up two little girls, and how he would uh, use a line of philosophy for every problem we would take him. He would try to solve it with a line of philosophy. So mm-hmm. I'm in the process of writing a book in his honor. I hope to uh, have that out hopefully within the year. I've, I've been working on it for right. a long um, I think it's really important that we keep our company um, positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I strive to do that, to keep myself positive and motivated and inspired. So I've been working on this book, Lynn, for probably 
five years. And every time I would go in to tweak something and move forward in the book, I would end up going back mm-hmm. to fix stuff. So I wasn't making any progress. Right. And it was uh, a, somebody I, I met at a networking uh, meeting, which is why I love meetup.com. I think you and I have talked about meetup.com before. I discovered that during our four-year um, living trip to Spain, Mallorca, Spain. My husband and I lived there from 2007 to 2011. Mm-hmm. And I used meetup.com to connect with like-minded people who could speak English. Oh, okay. So when I returned to Canada, I turned to meetup.com to do the same thing. I wanted it to gather with like-minded people to keep myself in the company of positive people. So I actually also do law of attraction meetup groups every month. We were on summer hiatus, but we're, we resume in September. Okay. So the last, the last week of uh, every month, we do meetup groups in Kitchener, Waterloo, or, uh, Kitchener, pardon me, Kitchener, Cambridge, and Guelph, and mm-hmm. uh, soon to be hopefully Brantford as well. And Great. I think keeping the company of positive people is important because new things are always unfolding when you're in the company of inspired people. Mm-hmm. So here I am stuck on, on making any progress in this book, and someone, I was kind of lamenting about this, someone I had met at a meetup group, and she said, there are lots of online magazines looking for contributing writers. Oh. So um, why don't you contact this person and then commit. Then you're committed. You have a deadline every month. Yeah. So I work very well with deadlines. Yes, yeah. And I need that accountability. So mm-hmm. I contacted the online magazine, told them I was referred and how I would love to submit an article every month. And the great thing about this as well is that every month has a theme. So I have to really think about how I'm going to match my story to the theme. So it, it really right. really inspires creative thinking, and I just I love it. So That's at the wonderful. end of 12 months, yeah, I'll have 12 chapters. It's the most progress I've made in five years. Oh, that's so perfect. It's terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so that nice website, book. if you don't mind me giving them a plug as well, because they're doing oh, tremendous sure. work, it's themagichappens.com. The magic happens. Cool. Mm-hmm. And that's um, a very good lead into the, the next story that I want to tell as well, The Magic Happens. Um, I, our listeners know that animals are, are very important in my life and, you know, specifically uh, my horses. And I had um, a friend that was working with, with some of the horses, and, and she said, you know, the... the um, this stable where I keep my horse, there's going to be a horse whisperer come to the to the farm. And uh, she said, Do you, would you like to have the horse whisperer come and, and talk to your horses too? And I just thought it would be fun. I wasn't, I had no, um, no sense of, um, you know, I didn't go like, could it, could this person really do this or what might become of it? I just said, oh yeah, that'd be fun. Sure. Bring her over. Um, 
And I thought I'd get, you know, things like, oh, I like carrots and things like that. Well, um, that morning, we'd been taking the pictures of one horse that I was considering selling at that time. And as we're taking the pictures, um, my sister-in-law said, Buddy's getting fat. Um, And so when we um, start, um, the lady comes, and I mean, it was just, it was a day, like, you know, I agreed to have her come, and it was like a day later when when she uh, showed up. So the first horse she goes to um, starts saying, is this my home? Am I going to get to stay here? Um, Do I have to go somewhere for training? And this, what she was, um, well, first that, that horse said, and I'm not for sale, it's him down there. That was the first thing that that came out of the horse whisperer's mouth, and then and then she's she's saying this about uh, you know is this my home, and what it was is it was almost a repetition of a conversation that I'd had with my friend in front of this horse about uh, we'd picked her up at a sale and I'd said to my friend, you know, can you do some work with her because I really want to make sure she's going to work out before we get attached to her or, you know, we'll make decisions whether we need to send her for some training or something. So um, the the horse whisperer kept saying to me, well, her name was Lauren Bode, so Lauren kept saying to me, um, is there anything you would like to ask the horses? Or And the thing was, I could not get my chin off the floor. I couldn't even speak to Lauren because I was so flabbergasted by, by how accurate this was. So then they get... Um, um, get down to to the other horse, the one that we'd been taking the pictures of, and the first thing he says is, "And I'm not fat." <laughs> my my sister-in-law had her little Chihuahua in her arms, and Lauren is just walking by my sister-in-law, and then she turns uh, to my sister-in-law Debbie, and Lauren says, um, "This dog says that she was supposed to have puppies, but you got her anyway." And the story behind that was my sister-in-law had to talk the breeder into selling that pup because the breeder was going to keep um, this pup named Mouse um, as as breeding stock to have babies. Hmm. So, um, yes, I guess that, there, that that's the magic happens. That's my uh, that's my example of the magic happens. <laughs> that's awesome. I went to. Um I haven't had very much luck with cats. We were talking a little bit before yeah. the show. I had adopted two brothers from the Humane Society, and um, they were getting sick uh, quite often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you take them to the vets, and you go through a course of antibiotics. And the vet, at the, when, at the first visit, the vet said, I suspect that both cats were born with feline HIV, it's FIV. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he said, they're, yeah, they're going to have, um, you know, compromised immune systems. Mm. You should probably uh, change their food to help them, blah, 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 right? Mm. So the one poor little guy went into seizures, and we couldn't save him. So he only lasted six months. And then the other brother uh, had to be put down with some other health issues uh, just before a year of his life. And, you know, just heartbreaking how attached yeah. you get to your animals. Yeah. And, 
all of my cats, you know, they, they seem to die within a year or two. And I went to see mm. a psychic and she said to me, you don't have much luck with mm-hmm. your animals, but they all want you to know how much difference you made to their lives. Mm. And they all want to thank you. So I just love hearing stories about animal whispers and, you know, horse whispers mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, Definitely, I think our animals have souls, and they're here for a reason. However brief the time is with us in their mm-hmm. lives, it's very important. Well, and I suspect um, I suspect that many of us who live with animals, um, I mean, we may call it intuition, but, you know, for some reason we may know how they're feeling, but we don't call it that. You know, we mm. just, we just, uh, you know, we just think, oh, gee, I think there might be something off or, or whatever. And, and we're not, we're not taught to, um, to develop it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm always saying that our identity begins from birth. You know, immediately it's a gender role that we are mm-hmm. forced into, you know, just by virtue of our birth. If you're female, you fit into these roles. If you're male, you directly go down this path. So it starts with gender roles that we, you know, inherit from our birth. And then comes the programming from our, you know, peers and parents and all those in authority, um, our relative religions, our culture, our education. It just goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. how our programming starts. And then, of course, the influence of mainstream media, why I am so passionate about positive media, Lynn, I think I may have already told you this story about my nephew. Um, oh, my nephew, yeah. Tyler, he has Williams Syndrome. Now, Williams Syndrome is a neurodevelopmental disorder that will keep him physically and mental, mentally challenged throughout his life. Um, but if you, if you Google Williams Syndrome, it's very rare, one in 20,000 births. Mm-hmm. And so he's 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 biologically, chronologically, 26 years old, uh, mentally probably about six or seven. Right. So we are very fortunate in that he has a very social personality. He can do, he, you know, he can live independently with support. Uh, well, relatively independently. And mm-hmm. he te- every time I'm around him, he teaches me, you know, something profound. I, I remember my mm-hmm. dad trying to take him to Sunday Mass one day, and Tyler said, Papa, I don't need to go to church. I have God in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, Tyler. (laughs) Yeah, how how profound is that? Exactly. He teaches me something all the time, and now (laughs) I've totally forgotten the point I was trying to make, Lynn. Um, we started oh. with identity starts at birth and the way, you know, we were kind of talking about the way we see ourselves. Okay, yes, thank you. And mainstream media influence. Yes, yes. yes. So Tyler, um, you know, being with that mentality of a six, seven-year-old, he gets an iPad for Christmas and he disappears to go surf YouTube. Now, you know, on YouTube, you have to opt out of commercials within five seconds. More often than not, you have to sit through a 15 or 30 second commercial before you can even watch something. Right. Now, YouTube is the second most watched medium in the world now. Mm. And he, after only two hours exposure, 
to YouTube and the ads he was um, seeing, he came out to announce that he had to lose weight and remove yeah. all the hair from his head. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. That is how powerful mainstream media is on our psyche. We, we wow. underestimate it so much, and what, that's why I'm so passionate about positive wow. media and how important it is to filter what we allow into our minds. And, of course, I'm known for saying, take the diet that really works, a media fast. Mm-hmm. Don't watch, read, or listen to news and see how much your life improves. Very, right. very true. I know that, um, you know, since since I have um, known you, I have taken more notice of, um, you know, how I might be feeling when I'm watching the news. Um, I don't feel that I can fast from it because, um, you know, I advise people and I know that, that my clients may be upset sometimes by things that are happening in the news. So I feel I need to know about it, but I do try to be aware what advice can you give us as to how to be more aware how we're being affected? Like, I think it's still very hard even, you know, you start to make an awareness, but we're still influenced even by, you know, how do we take control of it? That's a great question, Lynn, and one I need to reflect on for about 30 seconds. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Could we do that? Yeah, and I'll yeah. have a great answer. <laughs> I will come back. <laughs> you bet. We're off to a break now. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. This is Lynn Wedham. The show is Step Right with Lynn. Our special guest today is Tanya McIntyre. And um, just before, we've been talking about stories. We've been telling some stories. Just before the break, we were talking about um, the way we see ourselves and how the media um, influences that and just how can we protect ourselves um, from uh, being influenced by the media. Tanya. Well, I think we... Yeah, we we live in a in a nice era where we can access information, and that's good and bad. Uh, it's, what's good about it is that we can find the truth if we look for it, mm-hmm. and we can filter what we want to watch, read, and listen to. Right. Um, 
So I think just the awareness of that alone, if you feel that you want to be involved in global events that most of us feel hopeless and stressed, you know, and that just mm-hmm. creates anxiety, I think, for most people to listen about the, the world uh, issues that mm-hmm. as, a, as an individual, most of us feel helpless and hopeless about that. Right. What does that do to us as human beings, as individuals? Um, you know, I'm very big on the idea that the universe is, everything is energy, energy is everything, and the universe is a vibrating energy, and we are vibrating beings. Mm-hmm. So I'm passionate about law of attraction, law of the universe. Um, you know, the law of attraction is as precise as the law of gravity. It's working in our lives all the time. So I like to encourage people to mind their own vibration. You know, mm-hmm. this it's, everything is about energy and vibration. So keep your company positive, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Take the diet that really works, a media fast. Don't watch, read, or listen to news and see how much your life improves. And, and I know for someone like you, Lynn, it's impossible. You need to be... Um, knowledgeable about what's going on in, in at least in the world financial district. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you don't have to expose yourself to all the the celebrity nonsense, for instance. Oh, yes, um, I, right. Mm, so I, yeah. I actually want to do a show where uh, I, I would like to walk up to people in supermarkets and say, oh, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Can I have your autograph, please? Could you, could you give me your autograph? And treat everybody that way because that's mm-hmm. how absurd it is to go up to a celebrity screaming, yes. asking for an autograph, yes. I think. Yeah, the whole celebrity mm-hmm. culture is ridiculous. They're just human yes. beings working in, at a vocation that they're very good at and get paid very well for and get um, you know a ridiculous amount of media coverage. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would love to help you. I would love to help you with that with that project. Mm. I'll be behind the camera or something. I think that's a, that's Wouldn't an that awesome. Wouldn't it be fun to do just to walk it up would to be random real, people on this? Really, yeah. really, fu- really, really fun to do. And and um, your, the point very well taken because I um, I feel that this the same as you. Like you know, there's no there's no person in the world that I should worship. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, the celebrity culture is. So overdone now. So I think filtering yourself from that is—I I don't even recognize most of the stars on magazines mm-hmm. when I'm at the um, the grocery store checkout anymore. It's like, wow, right. who who are these people? Um, yep. So that's one thing I would encourage. You know, stop the—it's—it's um, it's unhealthy, I think, to compare yourself to anybody, but especially celebrities. Yes. Yeah, but you know, I mean, at the same time, you get people like Jim Carrey and Johnny Depp. They're doing such tremendous work, on, you know, to make people spiritually aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Carrey. One of my favorite quotes from him is that I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of, so they can see that it's not the answer. Oh. So he's come from extreme poverty to extreme wealth. You know, people mm-hmm. I talk to say, oh, if I only had a million dollars. And my right. answer to that is, what would change in your life? Mm-hmm. What would change with a million dollars? You know, mainstream media always tells us we will never be good enough. We're never thin enough. Right. We're never attractive enough. We're never, you know, 
never good enough. Mm-hmm. We hear that yeah. throughout our lives. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a yeah. mad media yeah. frenzy that you need to just step away from, learn to love yourself, find a good mentor, keep yourself in the company of, of positive people, mm-hmm. and take the diet that really works, a media fast. Don't watch, read, or listen to news and see how much your life improves. <laughs> yep. I, um, a, a word that is, is coming um, up very often for me is intentional. Um, mm-hmm. So when we talk about the media, what I heard you express was um, that we need to be intentional about what we watch and listen to and not just be exposed without being aware. And then mm-hmm. the other thing that I think, the other point that I think we're making today, we started talking about stories, and we want to keep our story positive. I think that's the... It's all uh, perception, the, isn't it? Everything yeah. is a perception. We hear stories all the time. Uh, my sister and I, we can sit down and laugh and say, did we grow up in the same house? Because <laughs> different, right? Yeah, uh, one of the, yeah, for sure. One of the best definitions I've ever heard of truth can't remember where I heard it, but it has stuck with me since I've heard it. Truth is a fundamental reality defined by a person's perceived experience. Cool. Very That's cool. That's your truth, right? So Tell how people are you again. Yeah. Truth. Tell it's people a, it's a fun. Sorry. Sorry. A go fundamental ahead. reality defined by right. a person's perceived experience. It's all about perception. That's wonderful. Tell people one more time how they might reach you if they wanted to connect with you, Tanya. Well, Facebook is my um, favorite social media, so you can find find me there, Tanya McIntyre. Also, the Law of Attraction group is on Facebook, and you can get to the Good News Only through Facebook as well. Thegoodnewsonly.com, where you only hear good things about good people. Thanks for being with us today. We're quickly uh, running out of time. Uh, remember, you can always reach me at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, remember, I'm here to help. Let me know what's going on with you. Um, this is Lynn Wedham, the show Step Right with Lynn. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.